0: This is Aton Weinstein, and I'm Naor Menninger, and you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys.
1: You make me feel like a natural woman. This is a man's world, but it wouldn't be nothing, nothing without a woman or a girl. Ladies and gentlemen, what does it mean to be a woman or a man? Are these even inherently different or are these labels slapped on us by society dictating how we're expected to behave, how we should talk and walk, and how much we should earn? Dr. Sarai Aharoni is a lecturer and researcher in the Gender Studies Program at Ben-Gurion University of the Negev. Her research deals with gender, feminism, and international relations with a focus on the effects of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, on the status of women, and the participation of Israeli women in peace talks, non-governmental organizations, and civil activity for peace. We are thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Sarai Aharoni to discuss women men and everything in between. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you?
2: I'm fine, thank you for inviting me. Sure,
0: yeah. gladly. Um, so where do we start? I, I ran to onto you on Twitter because uh, I don't know what what was the context but somehow I I was exposed to a, a piece you wrote, a research uh, you, you did about the involvement of American sailors—the influence of American sailors who came for decades here in the port of Haifa, I guess—and how they influenced uh, the local culture, economy, uh, maybe, maybe more. So, what's that about?
2: Well, I was um, I was really glad that you wrote me on Twitter because this piece of um, research that I did is actually one of the, my less known um, articles in English. In Israel, it did receive some attention. And um, and it tells the story, a, a very important story, of Israel-US relations that is not part of the official narrative of, um, you know, this, um, um, this deep and strong relationships between the two countries. And, um, I followed the history of naval port visits, the U.S. Sixth Fleet. I don't know if you know, but the, the, Amer- the U.S. Navy is, is really divided into different fleets. And each fleet has um, a theater or a, a place of operations. And um, from, from 1973, basically, the Mediterranean um, has been part of or under the, the uh, presence of the Sixth Fleet, and um, the Sixth Fleet is part of NATO, right? The U.S. is part of NATO, and so the Sixth Fleet um, has this presence, had had a, a visible presence, and you had all these um, um, aircraft carriers, these huge boats with, um, with floating cities. Yeah, they call float, them. right, and um, with Marines and um, sailors and other personnel, and um, and. These ships used to and still engage in what we call naval diplomacy. So naval diplomacy is, is was a very important component in the Cold War where the Russians, the Soviets, and also American Navy used to travel in different ports and kind of show the flag, right? They're showing physical presence, which is, and this is an empire. Can I tell you a short story about... Sure. So when I started to do this research, it was about local history. So the way ordinary people in Haifa remember these visitations. So I used to for so about
0: That's before Tinder.
2: Oh. <laughs> yes, of course. It's really these yeah. the, the visits officially started in 1979 after the signing of the Israel-Egypt peace accords and they continued until 2001. So we're talking about um, like 20 more years where every year like around between about 30,000 American personnel, Navy personnel would come.
0: 30,000?
2: Yes. To Haifa port and spend between somewhere between four days to to two weeks.
1: 30,000 it's like these are now we're getting into metrics. 30,000 uniques or 30,000 like uh, visits. Visits. So you know what i mean day,
2: But visits day, days of visit uh, we um well 30,000 days we're talking about m- about 250 days a year where you had some kind of an american military vessel in the Haifa ah, port okay
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we're talking about this huge economy that developed over time around these visits we're talking about formal economies like um you know just um um a lot of um, food that was purchased for the for these um, boats for the aircraft um, carriers
0: bars cafes
2: yeah that these is part of the carriers. informal ah, okay
0: uh, that's the informal okay the
1: aircraft carriers I think they carry I read somewhere around four thousand yes. people.
2: Yeah, it could be 5,000, 5, yeah. yeah,
1: floating cities. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I was talking to people, and some of them were very young. And one of the the most one of the kind of most impressive memories that someone shared with me was from I think um, probably nineteen eighty 1980 or nineteen eighty one. Uh, so not so long after these visits started, um, a, a person who he told me that he was young. He was maybe eleven or twelve. And his father, he was a sailor, and his father was able to get him, both of them, to go on a tour on this uh, one of these aircraft carriers. And he remembers very clearly the tour itself, but he also remembers that for him it was very clear that he was on um, like a spacecraft, like a, on on he 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 it was just when Star Wars was. Kind of the original Star Wars movies. Mm. So for him, I can't remember the name of the, air, the you know the Star Wars um. X, the X
0: ring or X. <laughs> no, the the hope. The okay, yeah. Ah, the movie the, or the aircraft? The aircraft in the movie.
2: The yeah, the, the one know, that Harrison Ford. No, no, the X wing is just a ah, little one. The big the, one
0: that uh, Harrison Ford drives. Yeah. Falcon. The, the, Falcon uh, yeah. the Falcon. Something. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So
2: it, it was very clear that this is an empire. Right, And it's the empire, like the empire that we're seeing in the movies is mm-hmm. like the empire mm-hmm. that's coming to the city, right? So everything is connected. This is an imperial force that comes with this huge vessel to visit. And people loved Americans. They like loved the sailors and they welcomed them. And there was this early period of this euphoria thing. We, So I went to the archives and I found these... Um, Uh, Brochures and uh, newspaper clips um, talking about the way the they had a band, so like, so there was a band, a naval band, and they performed in the city. So people came to hear the band, and they had these baseball matches between the baseball um, team in Kibbutz Usha with the baseball team on the aircraft carrier. Right, so all these kind of cultural events and the sailors they used to walk with their uniforms, white uniforms, like beautiful uniforms and hats and they used to give these presents like zippo um zippo lighters and hats like caps I, i i was able to trace some of these objects that remained um but then after a few years kind of a darker side um of these 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 visits developed this darker side because many of the this person the, the personnel were
0: only men, I guess, yeah, almost only men,
2: yeah, the majority of them were men, um, and you know american the American military is 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 really um made of of you know, it has changed over time, but it's it's really kind of made of rough, kind of rough culture. It used to be more rough than nowadays, a lot of drinking, and um. And sailors, um, marines, when they, they come to a port, they, they expect to have fun, right? So I was able to trace the gradual development of the informal economies. And actually, I was, I, I tra- I was, I, I was very lucky to, to photograph the last bars in the downtown area, that had um, traces of the visits with different stickers and um, uh, like every every aircraft had a name and a sign and an emblem. So they used to leave and leave 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 behind uh, photographs with signatures. So I was able to take these pictures. After that, everything is gone because the downtown, Haifa downtown has...
0: Completely renewed. Yeah. I yeah. think there's like one or two bars remain. Not even one.
2: No, all of them are gone. Gone. hmm yeah, so I really, and I did interviews with women who used to work uh, in the bars. And um, so I, so. What did uh, you, what did you find?
1: Yeah, so these I. these interviews?
2: So I, I was able to find. Um, so after, after this euphoric period, um, we find more and more uh, media coverage of, of um, violence, sexual violence against local women, um, different kinds of um, uh, different kinds of interactions that are seen as as inappropriate and this presence becomes like an annoyance like loitering and noise and a lot of um and then what i what i what i what I was interested in was seeing the way that the city was responding to to these kind of challenges because you know us israel relations are this very serious political issue right you can't just come to the empire and say, oh, your soldiers are loitering. (laughs) This is really an interesting case of international relations. What happens when Mm -hmm. um, an empire, uh, you actually see the soldiers and then there is uh, this very small town, like a very, very kind of middle class, nice town that has to accommodate to this force of like military force. And we know this from other places, like in Japan, there are a lot of bases, and like U.S. bases and in Japan, um, in Germany, in uh, Iceland, and other places. So these are challenges that have been documented in other places, and many people who do, who do gender studies and feminist research have actually noticed these patterns that local women, um, um, which are you know, sometimes v- invisible, local women are subjected to various forms of violence, sexual violence, rape, and other um, kinds of violence, that um, are are not visible because of the political interests, right? So that this, like these women or others um, kind of pay the price in terms of their personal security and safety. I was able to find um, one specific uh, case that was like a, brought to the courts of a, um, a rape case um, in in which it was really very hard to reach a, to reach a, a, like justice and i think that's an important sign of of you know how um relations these relations developed over time um but the but but what what i also learned was how the world has changed and uh and um after 2001 well you know american uh, the american navy has stopped visiting and not o- and not only because of the official reasons there was an intifada and then um other things happened but i think it's also something that has to do with the mediterranean itself and and, and i think that american like the american mediterranean um, or the phase where the america was big in the mediterranean is is changing and i think the us is really backed out and and has 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 really centered its forces in the pacific we're seeing the pacific and the south Ch- china sea and and the gulf
0: like the weight of their strategic Right. presence changed uh, the the scale shifted changed, shifted yeah what
1: what was the thesis of the of the piece though like if you can sum it up like what was kind of the conclusion and the thesis
2: so um i was looking into the way informal practices of containing violence developed in the shadow of these um like formal politics because if you have this this uh, alliance that an alliance between a, a very big empire and a client state, i I say, then the the small state it's very hard for the small state to negotiate um on issues of personal safety in ports. Mm. And so, what kind of mechanisms with our our informal mechanisms develop in such conditions? So I actually found that there were several of informal mechanisms, like, for example, framing. Framing these visits as touristic, as a touristic venue. So many times the, sh- the the carriers used to come to the port, and immediately they had buses waiting for them for like a two day, three day tour of the Holy Land. So they would immediately go to Jerusalem, to Masada, to Nazareth, to wherever. Just don't sit here and just drink in mm-hmm. our city, right? And that would would have been, that was really interesting the way the way like everybody was kind of satisfied right this was touristy it was special it's not really about rest and recreation you know these are this is not these are not bars in wherever and another strategy was really creating this zone of bars that was very um was really outside residential areas and like really really making sure that sailors don't interact too much with residents Hmm. yeah okay
0: uh so is it available
2: this uh, study to on the internet yes we can i can i I think so send me a link and
0: guys if you're interested just uh go to the links and very interesting so Uh, i want to i want to make a point though the the because you you stated
1: that that america was an empire and but i mean it's a it's an interesting use of words right like is it actually an empire or is it in, so we're or in out. the vein of, of an empire like do you do you believe that that America really acts as an empire or do you think it just has the sort of presence of an empire
2: I think that um at the, the, you know the historic that specific historic time from the late 80s to the early 2000s were very very um, important in US history because of um, the 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 way the Cold War ended. When the Cold War ended, it became clear that the U.S. is the superpower, uh, a world superpower, and and that was important um, important for um, global politics. And I think the you know the impact of the U.S. Um, at at the later half twentieth century, early half the twenty first century, is clearly an imperial uh, like this is an imperial footprint, whatever. Yeah,
1: because the empire for me has connotations of you know like controlling non-sovereign territories and the population there not have not having citizen status and
2: like direct but, control. You're yeah, think, you're thinking like the Roman the, Empire yes.
1: or, or, the,
0: or the or England
1: or the British Empire. Yeah, meaning control it. You know, the British Empire was in India. They they controlled that that country it wasn't a sovereign state that, why that go area. so far they were
0: they were in israel were
1: here yeah and and nobody in that territory has voting rights you know in the british empire or has well, the ability to democratically the u.s does influence. control guam and uh, yeah so there are territories where you could yeah. say okay there are t- but, but they're, small. they're, they're very, like yeah Relatively symbolism. to the empires that we know throughout history, and you're not talking about those areas. You're talking about the Mediterranean.
2: Yeah, well, empires is empire is a very interesting concept. There are we have different. There are different kinds of empires, and um, and and there are different kinds of control of resources and populations, and uh, not every empire is, is uh, has direct. Or exercises direct power. For example, you know, even the British Empire had ruled, was able to rule through a series of um, companies, like economic companies, or um, um, you know, the the West Indies Company. That was um, an imperial um, force, but uh, it was not directly ruled, um, mm. directly ruled from Parliament or had. So, so I think um, different empires, um, com- empires come in different ways. And um, and I think America, uh, in terms of a cu- like a cultural concept, there was um, in the the late '80s. Um, I think they had these um, events like America Week in the supermarket. Mm. They were bringing here. Yes, they had these. Oh, we're guys. Bringing. We
0: didn't have McDonald's <laughs> till I think uh, '91, and it was a huge event. Yes. Uh, when McDonald's came here so so and and I think people don't realize that in the 70s in the 80s even in the 90s people didn't travel much outside of Israel so when like they were like aliens yes like people you know they they never saw an American
2: never they've never seen and they've never seen black Americans that was something interesting that came up again and again the fact that there were black Americans the people were actually here, yeah, yeah,
0: so are there kids in Haifa whose fathers were uh, sailors? did you manage to
2: find someone um I actually I heard I got um I heard about abortions you know abortions in Israel are more accessible than in other places and um but I also, um, I know of women who married, um, mm. who married ex-Navy um, personnel that mm-hmm. they met as young women in Haifa and left and live in the U.S. Ah, wow. Yeah.
1: Just today we were in the U.S. Embassy. <laughs> oh, so uh, ah, yeah, you're trying we, to. I saw the, you know, we were right outside where all the Marines are and yeah. uh, we, we got a passport for our, uh, our daughter that was just born. So we were, I had a little dosage of the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: morning. Um. okay let's segue to other areas of expertise of yours mainly I think the most relevant discussion to be had is about Arab Israeli women because the uh, because the cases of violence against them uh, every month or two months this issue comes up we just had uh, a gruesome murder uh like two weeks ago mother and daughter mother and daughter-in-law and um and i think it's also the most relevant issue because we could discuss the the, the other like the territories of gaza but but in the end i think that the issue of uh, and and also when discussing peace and and i think that the main problem we have is within so so i would would try and and ask you about that. So, do, what do you think is, how do you think Israeli-Arab women perceive feminism, for example?
2: Wow. Well, um, okay, so, I think there's a question of how do, what do, we, how do we define the problem? What is the, what, why, what is the problem here? And I want to suggest that we think of, um, we take the word, there's a word that I think is useful. And the word is femicide, okay? The word femicide is a very broad concept that describes a a pattern or a phenomenon that happens in different places in the world. And that is that women um, are killed by intimate partners or by relatives or by people they know. So this is a very very specific form of homicide, right? Because women, because if we think of you know crime, regular crime or violence, interpersonal violence, we we usually find that most cases of homicide occur between certain strangers or you know groups or collective groups, right? But there, so women have there's a specific pattern, femicide. The word femicide helps us to think about the, these killings as part of a pattern where women are targeted or killed by people who are very close to them, right? Family members, intimate partners, sons, fathers. So that is a very specific pattern.
1: But in a sense, a lot of homicide is kind of characterized by within groups, right? Like if you think about it, like most homicide in the States happen within, whether it's racial groups or within locales, you know what I mean? Like usually the person killed. Other than serial killers who like travel across the states and kill random people, a lot of homicide is happening because there's some kind of relationship, right?
2: Well, no, I don't think that. I think that for women, it is specifically much more clear that the, mm. pa- that you know, basically when we look on it, you know, when we see the gender division of homicides in general, we know that men um, are m- much more likely. To die from violent from a violent death, we're talking about like it could be eighty percent, like from homicides, would be men killed by other men, and but but then when we when we zoom into only cases of female victims, we find that many of them have been killed by people who they are they know intimately, like very very close, and so that's a very specific pattern. Mm. But what I want to say is that there's another interesting and important thing that I that I think we should take into account, and that is that in many places in the world, women who are indigenous or women who are poor or women who suffer from other forms of vulnerability are overrepresented in these femicide cases. So what's happening in Israel is actually something that we see in other parts of the world. So if we take statistics in Israel of femicide from the last um, you know, 20 years, we don't really have all the statistics, okay? That's another thing. But if we have, we, whatever we have, we take these statistics for the last 20 years, we see that um, Arab Israeli women who are 20% of the population are actually about 40% represented, like they're about 40% of femicides, which is double the percentage of, of in the in the total society, and then you are right, right? You're saying, okay, so these women are more vulnerable, and um, and then the question is, okay, how long f-
0: does the stats go? Because I I would guess that if you look just on the last three years, it would be even more than forty percent. No,
2: no, forty percent. Okay. Yes, yes, but I'm you know I'm an historian. You've already noticed that okay. I have this long memory, <laughs> so. Um,
0: yeah, sorry, I cut you.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I am, you know, I, I, I always prefer thinking about long durays. Okay. I think long duray is, is better, okay. always, to, to understand where we are now. Mm-hmm. We need to think um, before we were born a little bit, right? So think about th- your time, your lifespan, and take a few years before, and think of that as something you can manage. Um, so we have, uh, so Israel... You know, in 1991, Israel basically um, has the first law that prohibits domestic violence, the anti domestic violence law. It means that before 1991, it was not illegal for a man to beat his wife. It was not illegal. Didn't you have
0: general laws against violence yeah. in general?
2: Yeah, but it was like domestic violence was not criminalized. Until 1991. M-
1: meaning a woman couldn't come and say I was assaulted by my husband and then the husband could be tried right. in a court of law? That, yeah, that was so, impossible?
2: No, it was people, you know, the police would say, you know, this. it's like a family argument, you know, it happens. It's not really nice. Maybe you should try, you know, you should try and Talk find a solution. Because there's yeah. a
1: difference between like what, what happened in law and what happened in reality. So I'm wondering if there, there were no cases of domestic violence before...
2: Um, So the first data we have, um, somewhere between 1966 and 1976, uh, women's organizations start collecting um, information about women who come to the legal, come to their voluntary legal advising centers talking about domestic violence, but nothing is published. In 1976, the, first, the Knesset has a first debate about domestic violence, which is dismissed by the majority of the Knesset members who are, who are men. But that was also the first time the police comes with some kind of data. And then in 1978, with the first report submitted to the government about the status of women, these, this is a lot of information, I know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's when we actually have first numbers, 1978. so it takes about i think 15 years between the first debate in the knesset until there is a law Hmm. i don't know if that's a a long time or short time this is what we call feminist time i can never know like whether it's fast or yeah or not
0: future generations will decide
1: but that that has to do with cases of like data about the number of of cases of domestic violence, yeah. cases as in like instances, but I'm wondering about like legal cases. Like, were there any instances of a woman bringing the, her husband to court?
2: Very few, because the uh. law there was the the legal. There were no, you know, the law was not was not suited was not for that. Place. Yeah, the the law didn't give women the you know the the language to pursue justice. And then the law starts to change in the And also last. I
0: guess culturally, like, you know, when my mother was uh, a child uh, if, uh, or like uh, I don't know, in the sixties a uh, father would uh, give a little slap to his his like it was yeah it was like, just uh like how child, it was.
2: Yeah, uh, all, you know, also nineteen I think until nineteen eighty seven I think beating of children was yeah was not prohibited. It was yeah. very customary to, you know, yeah. Um, there is this Hebrew saying, Shivto so nebno, right? A person who does not hit his child hates him. <laughs> so, like, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Shivto
0: is a rod, right? It's yes. Like a, with a stick.
2: Right, a stick. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so how does it bring us to present days then?
2: So um, after the, the, you know, the domestic, the anti- um, Domestic violence laws are put into place, and there gradually um, um, a system of uh, shelters is built. At initially by feminists, and then by the state. Um, more and more information is out there about patterns of femicide, and then we also start having these the numbers. So um, Arab women um, and uh, Jewish women are are. Basically, we see the statistics of death statistics. Um, we see them. Um, we have them from the early '90s, and one of the things that changes is I think kind um, of the ways that women are killed. Um, Jewish women in the ni- in the '90s, um, many Jewish women were murdered, who were killed by partners, were murdered with. Um, guns and then there was a reform in gun laws Mm. and the military also had a huge reform about uh, using guns and the number of jewish women that were killed using weapons like um arms has really declined Mm -hmm. and the number of uh, arab women that were killed using by uh, arms has really (coughs) increased throughout the years so it's not only you know the numbers it's really how these women are killed and uh, this really i think um hints that there's a we think i think that there's a connection between the killing of women with rising insecurity crime um and um the general insecurity of of arab um women in certain places in Ramlin lord in Jaffa. Certainly. In many Arab
0: cities, I think. In many Arab cities. No, uh, no. W-
2: there are certain. This is, for example, in the Golan Heights, mm. you have a very big Druze community. Yes. And for some reason, um, women from these communities are not murdered at all. Mm-hmm. So when we look at these as. When they I,
0: come from. A different culture. A different culture, right? No, no. Because they were Syrian Druze.
2: Yeah, right. But what I'm saying... No, but... Right. But what I'm saying is that we, when we zoom into these cases, we can actually see patterns. We can see that certain neighborhoods or certain villages or certain cities are more dangerous for women.
1: And why is that?
2: And then we ask, why is that, right? And then we say, okay, so certain places have less... Have more, for example crime more arms um and these places um are, have lower in terms of the economic situation or education or access to education so we're seeing that it's very very it's, it's really we cannot just blame culture we cannot blame um religion there are many other factors involved and um and and we know that you know arab israeli women um have less opportunities and less infrastructures and they are kind of behind in terms of you know when they actually get education entering the workforce so we we Although
1: the know. trend is is but yeah. but I wonder if you compare cuz I'm sure you can isolate these factors again it's it's sociology so it's it's not like an exact science but I wonder if you I mean I'm sh- I'm sure there are places in Israel where the isolated variable is culture and you have I don't know like Ofakim or if you take some neighborhoods of Bat I- I'm sure you can find something where there's high levels of crime and low socioeconomic and lower education levels and compare the two. Well, you don't think you'd find any difference.
2: No, we we there there's there's a lot of um there are a lot of there's a there there's a growing we have growing knowledge about different ways to try and identify trends. So, for example, uh, recently there is a, um, an, um, a there's a, on, on the way, there's a national, there's going to be a national survey of violence, domestic of intimate partner violence in Israel. And they are working with, uh, there's a, a very interesting group that's uh, working together with the government and civil society and others to try and create a questionnaire A national questionnaire and um, they did this pilot and what one of the things they found was that Israeli um, upper-class or middle upper-class Ashkenazis like secular would be less likely to report and come to authorities would be police or welfare and report domestic violence
0: Mm -hmm.
2: which means that we don't know someone has to do a targeted campaign targeting middle upper class Ashkenazi Jewish women, telling them that it is, you know, maybe if you're experiencing something, you can report. Mm -hmm. But this is not about culture. These are, um, this is much more complicated. than you know, culture is a word that people use, but. I think it's it's um, it, we can we can explain many of these things in, in using different um, factors like more the word culture. I don't I don't think the word culture works good.
0: But why? Why not? <laughs> <laughs>
2: because well, I love the
1: word culture. The, the reason the I feel reason, like
0: everything is downstream of culture. Uh, yeah, because the thing is, it, it's complicated. It's a really complicated topic. But to me, it seems that. Arab like, if you look just in, in in our neighborhood, like, look at, like, in places like Gaza, in places like Ramallah, okay? The feminism, I don't know if it is, even exists in some of those places, right? Uh, but you don't you know? know
2: because, wait, You're, you have many assumptions about <clears throat> what's happening in Ramallah, right? There's an assumption, there is this implicit assumption, but you know as a scholar i would i would say but what is this assumption based on if you visited Ramallah and no okay so no, but, it's it,
1: but there, are cert- there are there are there f- are like facts in the that the assumption is based on which is the you know the mother and daughter that were murdered
2: yeah but that is an incident No, facts
1: but if we look at the the she talks about statistics the, no, I'm about i'm st- saying that yeah. that's a statistic those are two women that were murdered and plus another two and another two and another two and you look at the statistics over the year and 20 women 20 Arab women were murdered and I don't know one or two or three Jewish women like you know what I mean like if you look at that and I know you we want to look at it
2: no it's not these are not the right statistics we're talking about 40% 40% from the women who were from femicides per year would be of Arab women which means that the But other you're one, talking about a 60%. period of 60%. No, each year. So 60%. You're talking
1: about but the average over a yeah, period the of 30 Yeah, the average would years. be. Yeah,
2: so for example the 60% are not Arab women. Yeah,
1: but I'm saying the average over 30 years I wonder <clears throat> how much of that is also attributed to lack of statistic, lack of da- data. Meaning I assume that in the 80s There wasn't a lot of data about Arab women being murdered in Arab communities. Because it was their problem. Yeah. And so no one reported it to the police. The police didn't care. There were no data points, although Jewish women were recorded. Now we look at the data. There's never an Arab woman who's, or hardly an Arab woman who's murdered today. And it doesn't reach the headlines. And we look at the last couple of years, and you see dozens of Arab women killed Mm -hmm. a year and single digits of...
2: No, it's not. We have 60% of the women In the
1: last years. Yeah, in, women th- but who I are not said, Arab. I think you 40 to 60% is over the last 30 years. In, no, every average. year.
2: Like, on average, every year. On average. Yes. Every but average
1: year. means you take all the numbers and you average them out. Meaning one year in might be higher. In the last three higher. years,
0: was it also... Yes, yes, the last two is, years, Yes, it was it also about, 40%? Yeah,
2: because majority of the women who live in Israel are Jewish, right? So the majority yes. of the women who die by intimate partners or whatever. But Jewish women.
1: I find it hard to believe that the average matches the exact numbers per year, meaning it was
2: What I'm saying is that what i what I'm saying is that there is this Okay, I'm it's I'm fascinated i fas- no, I am fascinated by the way that Jewish Israelis are so interested by you know the femicide or the killings of Arab women by Arab men. And while the truth is that Jewish women are also killed by Jewish men, right? So, but this, and this pattern, we also find it in many other places that um, minority women or racialized women or black women or indigenous women who really die more in terms of their relative percentage in the population all over the world, are always perceived through this prism of being victims, right? These Like the idea of victims, these are the ultimate victims, victims of their culture or victims of their partners or victims of, you know, whatever it is. That is also a very, very interesting cultural... I don't think it's cultural, but I think it's political. I think it's a way of not really talking of other things, like, for example, discrimination, like systematic discrimination, or the question of resources, society, the, way, the way society actually balances resources between communities. Certain things, you know, there are certain things that people don't know. Uh, I come, you know, I, I work at Benguyan University in the Negev, and in the Negev, we have uh, communities um, of Bedouin, Bedouin communities that live very far away from um, health services. And um, young Bedouin women, some of them, they don't have access to any kind of um, like pregnancy services. So they don't, When so for example, when they become pregnant, they, sometimes they don't see a doctor and they would arrive, they arrive to Soroka Hospital without Having even one checked one time by a doctor, and so some of these young women, uh, sometimes they have these babies that you know they die at birth or the babies are very, very damaged, and like nobody knew that. Like these women were not they did not see a doctor throughout their pregnancies. And for me, like this is it's like state violence, like what's the problem? Why can't Israel have this? car like a, a, a medical um you know there are these um medical vans that you can just drive through villages and have women tested or have women get basic services maternal services and that's nobody's doing that right but those
0: women are okay th- let's let's break down this example i th- i think Um, For people who don't know, uh, in the Negev, you have huge populations of Bedouins.
2: Indigenous populations.
0: Uh, it depends because Bedouins by nature were were moving around right so the those Bedouins uh,
2: are indigenous to the region they're indigenous to, in to the Middle region. East because yes.
0: because what happened but historically is that when the like Bedouins came through Israel or Palestine for, for mm-hmm. centuries and so it happens that when they formed the borders in 48 those specific ones were happened to be in those specific places but right. like many nomadic
2: we have different nomadic communities right. like some in the northern no right remember? but those
0: are the most famous i think What? And yeah I, I think and the, and the, and, the, and maybe the biggest uh,
2: no Sami in the north are but yeah, we just okay. don't live in the scandinavian yeah. so i guess we don't we're not
1: um <laughs> ah he, I, you mean famous in israel in israel
0: she's talking about in the yeah not like in the world we north have
2: age. various nomadic communities that yeah, yeah, have yeah. the same head, yeah yeah the same faith no, right when you said we like have i thought a, israel
0: has oh, okay. um so uh, and and they li- they live and and this becomes a huge uh, huge problem because they live in certain territory in certain areas they claim it's theirs there's a legal dispute whether it's theirs and in the meantime they uh, choose many of them choose to stay there live in sub in, in subhuman um,
2: yeah, Conditions. but there's the question of Conditions. indigenous No, I'm just trying to explain how it looks like. Oh, there, because yeah. many,
0: our audience in the States, maybe they don't know. Like, so they live in, in, in actual like, how can you describe how they live? Squalor. They live in, yeah. They
1: live in tin, tin huts. Yeah, with, no
0: like, running water, no electricity. And throughout the years, I think it's, to be fair, we need to, to mention this. The state tried to, the state came to many of them and told them let's move you to a city with and you will get a piece of land for free you can build a home there and live like normal people uh, but you will need to give up your claims basically and many refused most of them refused
2: and, and people who listen to us who come from north america would know that these tensions with indigenous communities and the question of land and the question of property and territories is very similar to that of Native Americans, Native Canadians. You know, the First Nations. These are um, debates that are happening all over the world. You know, what are the rights of indigenous populations? This is not only happening in the negative. Um, it, it hap- it's happening in Canada. It's happening in in uh, in the U.S. And 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 these are these are very hard questions. Of uh, you know, what are the obligations of the state towards these communities. And for ex- this is a, so the question of, for example, materna- maternity um, birth, ra- um, uh, death rates or women who die during birth, giving birth. So in Israel, these numbers are quite low, much lower than the US. And the, U- the US maternal death rates like, mater- are, are, are quite high, very high. And that is because there is no, um, well, well, you know, health system is just not available as it is in Israel. So that's really why we have so lower uh, maternal birth r- um, death rates in Israel, because of, that we have a good health system, and that really benefits many women. And what, those what are the women... difference?
1: Like, what, how big of a difference is it? Is it a big difference? Wow,
2: it's huge. Israel, the maternal uh, death rates in Israel, I think, are like four or five per 100,000 births. Mm. And in the U.S. it would be about 40 or 45. Wow. Mm, 10x.
0: Yeah. But the um, Bedouins, uh, you mentioned the Bedouin women. First of all, just to explain. And uh, wait, uh, I just want to say yeah. that
2: f- these number there is an overrepresentation representation of Bedouin women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in these statistics. So if we were able to reach um, these young Bedouin women who are pregnant and give them appropriate services like other women in the country, then it, it would be even lower.
0: But when you say, uh, it bothers me when you say they don't have access to, because they are Israeli citizens.
2: Right. They Just can go to. They have,
0: probably they have, because it's obligatory. Also in the early 90s, they legislated this law where everyone is has to be at one of the kupot cholim, one of the well, healthcare providers. Healthcare providers. So I guess all of them are members. Um, or at least they can very easily become members and so if they came with their membership to Raha to the biggest yeah, so you say city, technically
2: why can't they just no. go to see a doctor no I'm
0: yeah. saying they have access right yeah. so
2: why won't they go right That's about, what you're because asking. what
1: you're suggesting is that the state accommodate their lifestyle
2: no I suggest that if there is a specific area where women don't come to where they don't have they actually don't have access to maternal like the appropriate so then there are these Possibilities that we know that, for example, there is um, um, a moving vehicle. We we have we have those. They say it actually have has those um, that can scan, and this is used in the world to to treat women in very peripheral areas. So this is really this is possible, and it's not so costly, right? So, but but it's it's more about seeing these women. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing is that the reason that these women are dealing with certain issues of like, for example, health is really because they are part of a minority that is not being seen, right? This is something that has to do with the status of Arab women in this state.
1: But that's where I disagree. And I think that the reason that they're in that position is because their culture is backwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, in Bedouin, no, seriously. It's wait, easy. hold on. I, wait. I think that the reason that they're in that situation is because Bedouin culture uh oppresses women. Is violent towards women. They can marry five women. women at once. They marry five women, they yeah, they but they, they, they murder they murder yeah, and, and are is. violent towards the women. So there is there is a culture of violence and of oppression towards women that has been that has been which i think also providing these services would is sort of an enabler in any way but that but even if we can agree that providing the service would would help these women i think the first cause causality is the fa- is culture and then comes okay maybe the state could help and it doesn't help so there's problems here and we could we could fix that but the fir- the, the the major contributing factor is their culture and their education that they that they proliferate through generation through generation by
0: educating their kids in this way and, and, and maintaining it. The women there are a tool to make children and and get social security. You're
2: just kidding me, right?
0: No, you're not, no.
2: You're, this is you're not. You're, are you really? Do you really think we're that's... not in the
0: academia? I do, but, but, but convince me otherwise. You, st- you stepped out of the of the tower. The no, ivory just, tower. Because,
2: you know it's like your dialogue now is really the things that we teach in class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing! You can hear. You can have your students say. Yeah, there's these idiots outside, <laughs> and this is what they think. And now no, you're meeting them.
2: From, a, <laughs> no, what you were okay. So there is this concept of a social script and social social or cultural scripts that is the way to, we use the word culture for example in a more appropriate way so what is a cultural script a cultural script is is like um the right way to think about a problem and so we we hear these scripts from various places and we we you know identify with them believe them re- repeat them in different places so what you're now Both of you were uh, presenting a very, very deep uh, cultural script that is very hegemonic within the Israeli Jewish society. So Israeli Jews tend to think about um, Arabs as backward. And it's a cultural... I'm, I'm just describing the cultural script. They tend to think that Arabs are backward. They tend to think that the reason that they are backward is because of their culture. They tend to connect this axiom of like backwardness and culture with um, the status of women, right? So they tend to see that there's this connected, and they also connect this to this violent masculinity of Arab men. Now. Okay, this is the this is like the box. It's a, it's a box. It's a it's like you open the box and hip the script comes out, <laughs> and then people just talk about this as if just say we really? cliches. No, <laughs> it's not a cliché. it's, uh, a, uh, it's okay. a cultural script.
1: Could it be that there's a cultural script that says that that the reason Arab women are have a higher uh, death birth death rate is because of the state violence that doesn't yes I mean could it be that the the yes. the the the, so if thought, you, if the, you, the ideas that you're representing are from from your research are a cultural script
2: yes yes you can you can if you if you for example go and do uh, research if you're an ethnographer you, you study culture and you go and you try to understand the way uh, Arab society or communities talk about violence, right? So how would they talk about it, right? What is their cultural script about the same issue? Then you would also find <laughs> a cultural script, right? No, so, but I'm
1: wondering if there's a cultural script in academia. Maybe there course. is a cultural script yes. in universities, the, the way they talk about
2: Yes, okay. it is. So,
0: so everything can be a cultural script.
2: Yes. Basically. Now, the question is, okay. okay, so when you use these, concepts which are analytic right this is an analytical concept you say okay so how do we work with these concepts um, and then well these are, are serious debates about you know, whether there is truth what can we know what is it like how do we act how, what is how can we empirically try to trace certain, certain you know and, and and I think you know me as a feminist scholar this is really very this is a challenge because. Israel is a is a you know there is on the one hand Israel is a democracy and there is this sense of this is you know based with the ideas of gender equality and we have women in the IDF and we have women working in the high tech sector and we have uh, women in the Knesset in numbers that are growing right and we have all these like we can we can say look we've done a lot there's something here that's really an indication of. Gender. I mean,
1: I've done nothing, but like, yeah, society, Israeli society has done a lot. Yeah, we can take credit for it, though. Uh,
2: yeah. So this is this is like <laughs> not it's so like, much. Uh, there's this cake, and then there's yeah. layer on the cake. There's a certain layer that says, "Look, this is." what...
1: Things are good.
2: Uh, yeah, better. Better. <laughs> right, but like we. But all is it that
0: not accurate?
1: Is it
2: right? And then, uh, and then you know you have these um, instances where you actually um, have other kinds of statistics, right? Certain, like, for example, when we look at um, sexual violence. So, for example, statistics and reports on sexual violence are very bad, um, not only in Israel, in other places as well, but that is a serious issue, right? So we have to say, okay, this is an issue. Um, And also um young women many young you women know, I have students and uh, we have many and they are angry like many of them are just angry <laughs> and they feel that they live in this macho very kind of macho um society and they you know it's 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 amazing that women I have students who come here from I have I just had a PhD student from Sweden she spent half a year in 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 Israel she's super cool and nice and everything but Yesterday, we had a meeting, and she's going back. And she said, I just need some quiet. I just want to be able to walk um, in a street without being harassed. So for her, being in Israel for five months was this constant experience of being harassed all the time. Mm-hmm. And we as Israelis, we sometimes, we just don't notice this. We don't. Yeah. We are, We like, we get used to living in this very tense intense violent like macho community society public space or sometimes even you know private spaces or and it's very hard to acknowledge that you know this is really tough and these are paradoxes that happen you know you have on the one hand we see all these beautiful high-tech buildings here in Tel Aviv and like we're in we're in this this in like a semi Western democratic society, but then at the same time, no, this is really not a very safe place for women to. It's
0: fight. One of the safest places for women in the world, though, among all the places in the world women live, it's definitely in the top thirty <laughs> or twenty.
2: Well, I I would no? I really think that we should we should one of the one of the. Um, and for men, by the way, too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I. No, it's not true. It's there is a problem of of um. That's a problem of how to conceptualize security. What is security? And um, when when my students or if they say I don't feel safe. And I tell them, no, but look, statistically, (laughs) like if you were to live now in another place, you would or statistically, you are less likely to die um, by, um, uh, you know, an intimate partner or statistically, you are less likely to be raped by a stranger or statistically, you are less likely to get, um, um, you know, AIDS or whatever. Yeah,
1: like I I think that's a fair measure. Like if I'm like killed, raped or assaulted.
2: So my students would look at me devastated, saying, no, this is not the way we want to measure our safety.
1: But then you should, you should wait, wait, connect this them is with a, a, a Somalian uh, no, woman. And, no, I'm not sub- saying that we can't get better. I'm just saying that objectively, relatively. Subject,
2: I think listening to women when they say our subjective experience is, you know, whatever, we our subjective experiences of being all the time harassed. That is a very important thing that they're saying. They want a different world. And I respect that they want a different, but world. it's
0: anecdotal. And then I can tell you an anecdote, I, I,
1: I no, but I want to, I want to agree with you for a second, because I feel like we haven't done enough of that. <laughs> 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 I, I really do agree that we can do better. Um, we should and that, strive. you know, also. as a father to a daughter, um, a f- new new father to a daughter and a husband to a wife that I both of them I adore very much, I want to envision a world in which they don't have to walk around fearing anything. Uh, so I absolutely agree that we should strive to have a world in which women can walk around safely and can look up to men as as people who will to look up. No, look look look, look, to, look up. Sorry, I meant look up and because in the end, why are women subjugated to violence? Because men are – and we kind of touched on this in our – because of the differences between gender. Men are physically, on the whole, statistically, more physically powerful, and then they use that power. Bad men use that power to overpower women and take advantage of women, and I think that's an awful thing. That's what I meant to look – and so I, I want to envision a world in which w- m- the women in the world can look to men to to serve as a protectors and not as or offenders. Or as partners. Partners, partners as yeah. well, but but of course as partners. But I'm saying on the physical violence level as protectors, meaning people who are willing to protect them against other men that, are, that, that strive to do harm and bad things to them. So I absolutely agree with that. But I think where we differ is that I believe that that not seeing the difference between bedouin culture and arab culture on a whole in israel and and around the world does takes us in the wrong direction and western culture has taken us over history in the right direction and that's where i think we're making a mistake is that i believe that it's judeo-christian western values that have carried us to the place where we are today Whereas and and not recognizing that dissonance and that difference is but do you, doing us harm. Do you harm, really
2: believe that? I do. Really?
1: I do. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I do.
2: Well, you know, it's just a belief. <laughs> <laughs> it's I a know. cultural <laughs> script. <laughs> it's really. It's just. It's just. It's a very very powerful myth. But it's, but, it's, but, it's that's what it is. But, so, but it's maybe a, I want to understand yeah, why. Yeah, it is a powerful myth. Okay, I want to say that. Um. um I, I want to say that, uh, you know, I self-identify as Mizrahi. I am Mizrahi. What, what does this mean? It means that my family comes from the Middle East, right? It means that my ancestors have lived in the Middle East for forever. <laughs> and it means that I am also indigenous and I am part of this region and I'm part of this culture. And the reason that I don't speak Arabic the way my father speaks Arabic is just because, um, you know, I was born in a time and place where it was really, really um, inappropriate to teach children, Jewish kids to speak Arabic, despite the fact that this wasn't the language of my, you know, my, my, my ancestors.
0: That's true for almost all Aliyah, all of, all of the Aliyah. In
2: Israel, right. In Israel. So I think, From all countries. right. But I think that for me, as a person who is part of this region, the fact that I did not have a chance to continue my own culture just because I'm Jewish <laughs> is something that is very, very harmful in my in the way I see myself. And I feel that I was kind of robbed from a part of my identity by people who see themselves as very, very, you know, Western, enlightened, progressive. Um, and this is... Um, I think a good starting point to understand um, the limitations of enlightenment, right? So, so there are these limitations, and we live in this region where we need to have m- more complex explanations and understandings of what is it that we're doing here, what kind of culture is it that we're engaging with, and 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 you know, Israel is is. I think the the one of the good things about Israel is that. It's like an experiment, right? This is a huge social experiment with bringing people from different places in the Middle East, positioning them in a place that has always been historically multicultural. This region was multicultural. And, um, and so how do we figure out, we, I, I mean people in our, like our generations, like we need to kind of create the future for others. And how do we figure this out? Do we stick with these kind of dividing perceptions of western non-western arab or whatever or do we find other ways to talk about these things now i but don't don't f- you
0: need shared values to talk like if i can't,
2: We have many shared values i live in you know i live in Haifa mm-hmm. okay Haifa is a very mixed city and there and and i and i really believe and think that uh, you know People I know and work with, or meet, or whatever, we do have a lot of shared values. I really think that shared that we have more shared values um, in this country than we think.
0: But when I hear about a family where the father in, in law uh, kill, like we hear a lot about uh, murders, for yes, example, because hard. wait, because because the woman divorced or because the the sister. Went out with someone I don't know, or because so I, I say to myself I have nothing in common with yes, those people. But, yes, but and, and but so you.
2: But it's I, I It's hard for me to tell you to, to explain, but um, we th- okay.
0: But you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like,
2: no, but I I I'm, i wanna, I want I want to tell you something even worse. Okay. <laughs> something even worse, more depressing. Okay. Maybe in the house that you live in this neighborhood. Um, in an apartment next to you, there is a father that um, is sexually violent towards his daughter. Maybe. Right? Yes. But you don't know it. But what I'm saying is, know what I'm saying is that violence, right? Violence is something that is very, very hard to conceptualize. And um, it is really hard to learn that people are violent. And so we try to find all these excuses to explain these, these things. Why would a person kill his wife? Why would someone hurt his child? Why do you think? Well, I think that um, there, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a realist feminist. And I, and I think that um, um, we need to acknowledge that people, um, that people have, that, you know, the hum- the human beings could be really cruel and, and bad, and it's it's, and we we try to find other explanations, but but human beings could be cruel and bad, and I think that we that this is something that um, that we can we need to acknowledge to try and change things. We th- we can we can we can take this and say, look, this is. Um, um, we need to we need to find ways to minimize. It could be also but
1: how do you minimize? Like I mean, yeah, not
2: education, how do you minimize, but I guess, education. I guess what causes services peop- what causes
1: people to be cruel, yeah. as you define it, right? Yeah. Like so, what-
2: I think it could be anger. It could be so. It could be poverty. It could be lack of education. It could be just neglect. It could education be... education
0: starts at home when you're zero years old. And that's where culture what
2: comes is that in. Wait, what,
0: what does that mean? Lack of education?
2: Or lack of access to education. Like,
1: because I didn't learn, like, biology and math and literature, then I... Or I'm not trying to... B- I'm just trying to understand what... No, I what, mean, what, like, formal, what, formal.
2: Lack of formal education. Yeah,
1: but that's uh, so what I'm saying. What do I learn in school? I learn um. how to do math. I learn maybe... Uh, in Israel, you it kind of moves over a little bit more into the value arena with, like, the citizenship, right? Izrakhut uh, uh, and stuff like that. But, like... I mean, because I learned, like, I'm
0: trying to understand what part of education would cause me. To me, it's the education at home. Like, my mother is a kindergarten, like, she has a, she's a kindergarten teacher for my entire life, and she works with the ages three months to two years. So, that's actually, like, when you see her work with those kids, um, it, there's a lot of education going on on those two first years about uh, interhuman relations and violence. Yeah. And she teaches them, it, it's amazing to see. Do not, she tells, like, she can tell a, th- a six month year old baby, do not hit. hit this, your friend. So to me, that's education. Now, and that's cultural because when you come from a home that doesn't give a shit about the children because you have 30 children, okay, you're less likely to to bother and educate them
2: right yeah well actually, but it's also
1: a question of what values you're educating them. also
0: yes yes please sorry
2: yeah well education is also about formal education so what is formal formal education for example the numbers of years that a person went to school right That would be formal so six years of schooling nine years of schooling 12 years of schooling versus 20 years of schooling or education higher education higher high degree Education is a very important factor when we try to analyze certain, like for example, income. We know that education is highly correlated with income in a person's older life. So if you take a child and you say, okay, this child, his or hers income will be connected to the years of schooling. You don't know anything about this child, nothing. You don't know the color of their skin, you don't know her gender, you don't know where was she born, nothing. But the only thing you might know is that the number of years of schooling might make her or his income higher, which is a very strong factor. So edu- so if we think of education this way as an asset, like, um, and we also know that higher income is related and correlated with more safety or more personal safety, uh, with uh, better chances to be healthy, right, etc., so we know that if we invest in it ed- in formal education, years of education, and we get kids into school schooling, it's like this is a very technical way of looking at things, but it is actually very efficient so when I speak about education, I kind of speak of that um, mm. yeah
1: but but do you think and, and you think that contributes to what might cause someone to be violent
2: for example, could be yeah, because it's connected with other factors, so like we we can think through these problems in different ways. We, we can. Um, if you asked
0: my mother, she would say that when the kid gets to first grade, it's already too late. Like 80% is already said and done. Uh, I, I would say, I think that there's two main <laughs> factors that would cause someone
1: to be violent. And I think one is a lack of control. Either I cannot control my emotions or my values... Uh, promote violence meaning uh, dictate to me that the violence is the right course of action right now for example i i would i i would never lay my hand on a woman right and that's because i have learned to control my emotions and my values do not tell me to lay a hand on a woman on the other hand i could be violent i i could kill a woman if she was holding a gun and she was pointing at me and i and she was threatening to shoot Okay. that my values Self-defense. tells me self defense right i could be extremely violent if it, i was serving in the military of my country and i was fighting a war and i had to bash i don't know someone's head in with a hammer i would i would ho- I, I hope i could find the the wherewithal and the strength to do it even though it's a horrific act because that my values tell me that right now this is the thing to do this is the enemy i'm fighting for my country to protect my home this is and it's a horrific violent act that i would never do and but it's because of my values push me to there to to let loose and not to control my violence and to to so i think those are the two things that really cause someone to be violent either they they haven't been educated to control their emotions and 2-year-olds are are literally the most violent people on the face of the earth. Luckily, they're small and controllable. But like but they're the most violent people, and if you don't educate them to control their violence, then they'll they'll end up becoming horrific adults. Or if you educate them that it's okay to hit a girl because you're a man and you should show her who's who's boss. Um and if she dares threaten your honor by i don't know wearing promiscuous clothing out in town then it's best if she's put in place
2: yeah violence is really a um a very very um a huge problem when we, we we study trying to to study those who study violence uh, different kinds of violence like collect collective violence interpersonal violence um i don't think we have much time but i yeah. i just want to say that um um sometimes when i teach i um i i I talk about an interesting letter uh, correspondence between Freud and Einstein in the 30s. Um, sometime, I think in 1933, I, I, Albert Einstein starts uh, writing uh, Sigmund Freud a series of letters. And and he asks, he, he actually asks Freud, he says, look, I know this is your expertise, area of expertise. I want to ask you, how do you think would be the solution to violence like human violence um and and Freud actually he he says okay and and it's the beginning of the 30s and everybody's kind of understanding that there is something changing Europe is becoming violent and in various you know the kind of proto-fascist and nazism is on the rise and so it's a very very good political question on how to prevent war right they knew the first they they actually saw the First World War, and they're devastated, like thinking that something again can happen. So for them, the question of preventing war is really important in the early and mid-30s. And Floyd says to Einstein, he says, look, violence is a, is this like very important and very, very basic right? human instinct. Like people are, he doesn't use the word instinct, but he said like a, a primordial urge or, 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 or a... Um, and Freud is really interested, right, in, in this in the human um, psychology and the fact and, and the role of violence in human development, right? So he's but he he but he tries to kind of give Einstein this doubt. He says, look, but as humankind develops, they people learn how to control their urges. And hopefully they will be able one day to reach a stage where they actually can control their violent um um, you know, the violent traits or and and I and Floyd is trying to be optimistic Now of course we know what happens, right We know that one of the most enlightened um, groups like the Germans basically create this very very sophisticated sophisticated system of genocide, which is like super violent. And and that's when I think the logic of the Enlightenment logic of you know when we are more educated and we know more then we become less violent really enters a, a crisis this this huge crisis the post Holocaust moment where 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 this, this sense of you know progress Enlightenment and refinement right really reaches a, a reaches a dead end. Now, these, of course, are kind of philosophical thoughts, but, I, but I, I urge you know I urge my students and I urge everyone to know these histories, because they, we need to revisit these questions. They're never the same, never the same. And to think about the very, very complicated relations, yes, I agree, education from a young age, and teaching children to solve conflicts uh, in other ways that are not violent talking about alternatives for violence talking about alternative to war alternatives talking about peace for example these are important things um and you know i think feminists sometimes uh, people talk about us as like witches or whatever but i think that feminists have um um very very kind of creative ways to think about old problems um, some of them are very provocative, but you know, I, I really like my work, and I like listening and I like too. I like hearing and, and um, learning about these topics from a more complicated perspective than what like, the ordinary people would, would think. Um, and, um, and yes, and I think that just studying in the university, humanities and social sciences is really, really important and fun.
1: I have to say that I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking with us. And I, th- I find it sometimes in certain fields and I think in gender studies and, and there's specific other fields where I feel like sometimes people are wary of kind of having these challenging conversations and discussions. And I think it's really uh, commendable and admirable that, you, you know, you, you, you engage with people that maybe think differently than you. And I think that that's really what academia is all about in the end of the day. And so I really appreciate it. And, uh, and coming
0: from Haifa.
1: Yeah, and coming from Haifa.
0: The oh, most beautiful city in The Israel. worst city in the world. do seriously. The traffic here. Tel Aviv, <laughs> ah, yeah, to, here is just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Where can people, do, are you on social media? How can people reach out?
2: Yeah, Twitter and... Um,
0: Sarai spelled S-A-R-A-I.
2: Yes, and an A and 555 five, five, because it's chamsa, chamsa, chamsa. Ah,
0: Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, you have papers in English and right and yes and publications people,
2: yeah and you can write me an email if you're nice and perfect I can answer. thank
0: I'll you like so much not like the
1: people who write us emails but also <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> all the hate mails <laughs> thank you so <laughs> thank much you for, coming. for coming on yeah. and bye guys bye.